0: Everything Leafs Podcast. They have won the Stanley Cup! Subscribe so you don't miss an episode on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Nick D'Souza and Kevin Papetti.
1: Welcome to the Everything Leaves Podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti, here with Nick D'Souza, as always. Nick? I am already going to have to edit that intro because it's not the Everything Leaves podcast. It's the Everything Islanders podcast. Let's get your early thoughts here on this Bo Horvat trade.
0: Well, I hope we never become the Everything Islanders podcast because I spend a lot of time on cap friendly throughout my day. And I don't think I ever want to spend more than maybe five minutes every season looking at the Islanders cap situation. So, uh, yeah, you know, when it comes to Bo Horvat, Um, it's definitely an odd trade to say the least, Kevin. Um, I think it makes sense in terms of, you know, Horvat was going to go. I think Vancouver obviously wanted to trade him. I think everyone knew that. There was probably a lot of teams that were kind of giving their best packages. And it was kind of an awkward situation. I think any time a captain is rumored to leave a team, I think you probably just want to trade him as soon as possible. So I don't know. Like, I'm not surprised that... Lou Lamorello wanted, like, traded for a rental and traded quite a bit for a rental. Um, I think Vancouver did a decent job. I think it's a pretty good pa- package. Aturati's Ratti's a good player. Um, you know, Bovillier obviously has two years on his deal, and he's a pretty good player as, as well, and they get the first-round pick. So, you know, I, I think we'd, we'll we probably have to assume that was their best package, or at least in the Islanders, in, the, in Vancouver's eyes. Um, when it comes to the Islanders, I mean... I personally don't think any team that's on the bubble of making the playoffs should be trading for any rental. Maybe they know more than I do in terms of extending, but yeah, that cap situation in, in the Long Island is, uh, is not too fun to look at. When you look at Brock Nelson and, you know, Sezekis that's on a, a long-term deal, it's, uh, it's not looking too good. So if they lose him in the offseason, it's, uh, it's a pretty big loss for the Islanders in my opinion.
1: Yeah, so I think the extension thing is going to be the key here. Uh, a, does he get extended, and B, what does he get extended to? Uh, I think if you're making that deal, if you're Lou, you're probably prepared to make a pretty good offer for Horvat. Uh there's, There is the chance that the Islanders go on a losing streak here, the extension talks go nowhere, and the Islanders flip him at the deadline. That would be kind of interesting. I do think they'd obviously get a first-round pick. They'd probably get a comparable prospect uh, as, as well. So we'll see... I guess what happens. My guess is that he extends as a long-term fit, but I just Horvat's having a bit of a career year. I'm a little bit worried of what that next contract will look like. If you know, I'm guessing he's going to get the full seven years. I'm am guessing he's going to get a pretty healthy cap hit here. Uh, I see why Vancouver traded him. I think Vancouver pretty much just wanted to get it over with. Wanted to, you know, not take the risk of injury out of the equation. Uh, they probably had a bit of a bidding war. Took the best offer. I think they got you know, pretty good value for a Rental, even though it's their captain and even though it's someone who's been their best player this year. But yeah, just it's a fun trade to get things started. Hopefully that, that kicks things off here a little bit. I'd like to see a few more trades. And I think as as people who follow the Leafs, Nick, I think it, it's nice that he's not going to Boston because I thought Bo Horvet to Boston had a real decent chance of happening. And at least we can rule that one out.
0: I think also you, you think about, Boston in itself and Bergeron. I mean, he's not getting any younger; uh, he's not getting any worse either on the ice. But you know, sooner or later, he's gonna have to retire. And I kind of saw Horvat as a, a player that could fill the void a bit. Um,
1: and crazy, yeah, yeah. So
0: I mean, I'm really happy that he's he's not going to he's not going to Boston either. But I don't know. There's still the UFA in the summer, so but at least they he won't be adding they won't be adding him to this team this year, which is a really good team. So we'll see.
1: The other thing that's interesting is uh, the Islanders almost traded for JT Miller at the draft, right? It was like the 11th pick or something like that, around there. And that kind of fell apart at the last minute. Obviously, the Islanders went out and got i mean traded for Alexander Romanov uh, instead. So that kind of switched things up. But they go from getting one Canucks forward to another. Uh, We'll see how the contract shake out. I'm kind of interested. Obviously, JT Miller, I think, got too much money. I'm interested to see if Bo Horvat signs for too much money. Like, obviously, how much the extension is 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 huge. Like, we saw what Mark Giordano happened. Like, you get three years of a player rather than just one, but that's for league minimum. I'm guessing Bo Horvat's not taking any discount. Um, I do think that it'll help their chances to sign Horvat. Like, you're familiar with the team, you're familiar with the coaching staff, you're fam- familiar with the area. It does help your chances if you're trying to get them long term, but it is quite a bit of a risk. I think if the Islanders miss the playoffs. And if the Islanders don't extend him, it's a bad deal. Uh, and then if the Islanders, if they extend him to too much, it could also be a bad deal. So yeah, I think it's a little bit questionable from the Islanders' perspective. Hopefully, I mean, I know what they're they're hoping for. They're hoping to helps them get in the playoff. They get playoff revenue. Hopefully they get him to a, a reasonable contract, but a bit of a gamble. I like the deal a little bit more from Vancouver's end, though it's not like a crazy haul, but I do think it's it's pretty good value.
0: I think the, it, it kind of puts New York in a bit of a, in a bit of a crunch, right? Like you saw what happened with Huberto, where um, Calgary trades for him, and then like Huberto kind of has all the leverage when it comes to the actual negotiation. Yeah, and I think Corvette kind of has a similar situation. He can leave if he wants to. Islanders obviously just traded one of their best prospects, if not their best prospect, a first round pick, and. Pretty good player on their roster. So they're going to be pretty motivated to give him an, a good deal and to extend him. So I think all of the power is in Horvat's corner. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I just don't see a situation where they get him to a good deal that makes sense. So I think if I had to give the win, uh, I guess I'd give it to Vancouver. But I don't know. To me, it, it's kind of difficult to give a winner whenever it's one team who's. I guess, trying to contend, and the other team that's selling. Um, But usually it looks like it's a win-win. I don't know. This one might be a – I don't know. I don't don't really get it from the Islanders, considering they're not a team that is really a favorite or even considering – they're not even in the playoff. Um, Like If the playoffs ended today, I don't even think they're in right now, are they? I don't have it in front of me. Uh, No,
1: I don't think so. And then – Yeah, so that's brutal. Yeah, I think another part of this is how good is Anthony – Bovillier going to be right because I'm pretty sure he's I'm pretty sure he's younger than Bobby McMahon or the same age so like he's a pretty young guy <laughs> if you look obviously like Bovillier in the last year or two hasn't really played very well like by the metrics and I think just kind of popular opinion as well but um if, if you went before that like Horvet and Bovillier were kind of similar in terms of like goals above replacement expected goals above replacement for a little while there Uh, you know, if you pick the right sample, you could probably get Bavillier ahead. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what he is. Like, is he going to be kind of like a Andreas Janssen type where he's a little bit overpaid for what he provides and it's actually negative value? Or is he going to be a player who, you know, is a clear top six winger? I mean, we've seen him kind of go off in the playoffs before. Not that he's going to get an opportunity in Vancouver, but he could... Regain some value, or he could put because it's a year and a half left. He could be in a situation where the Canucks retain salary, and you know if he's playing well, maybe they get a may get a good pick, right? So, uh, I'm I'm interested to see kind of what they get for Bavilia down the line because I do think they're going to be selling. And then the other part of this is is where does the Islanders first round pick end up, right? So I think it's top twelve protected. It could easily be the thirteenth pick, the fourteenth pick, which is quite valuable. Um, but if it if it does if the Islanders do keep it because they're in the top 12 then it becomes unprotected the next year I believe and then who knows right like the Islanders there's Sorokin injury away from that being a lottery pick Uh, even with a healthy Sorokin they could be a lottery pick the following year so it's kind of interesting I mean I I, again I like it from Vancouver's perspective I know some Leafs fans were kind of interested in that um, and we're looking for comparables I think the Islanders' first is just a lot more valuable than Toronto's first. Um, you're probably looking at you know 10 spots, probably even more than 10 spots. You also have a little bit more upside with the pick um, if it does carry over the next year. And then I think Aturatu, I haven't seen him in a while, but I, I would think he's a little bit above Fraser Minton and Nimala would be my guess. I don't know if the Leafs really have a comparable player. Um, but I, 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 I'm guessing, obviously, that if, if Vancouver acquired him, they're probably pretty high on him. I, I don't know if they think Bevilliers is a positive asset or a negative. I know they're going to say he's positive publicly, but who knows. Uh, but it is it is an interesting trade. I do think that the Islanders, clearing Bavilliers' money from the books, uh, I think Varlamov is also a free agent this offseason. They'll have some money to spend if they want to keep Horvat. I'm expecting Lou to give him a pretty good offer that's going to be tough to turn down if you're going to trade for him, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see.
0: I love how subtly you uh, just slipped in Bobby McMahon there. Like, I wonder if that this was uh, at about, the negotiation this table. This trade is primarily
1: like, about Bobby McMahon.
0: Should we trade for Bavillier and someone else on the table? Like, this guy's hardly younger than but McMahon. Yeah. Like,
1: <laughs> the, the trade was, like, 24 hours after the Leafs sent McMahon down. I don't think that was a coincidence. This was this was Bobby McMahon's doing.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, everything is. But, uh, yeah, enough about the Islanders. Let's get to the Leafs here. Um... You know, obviously we're almost at the all-star break. One more game against the Boston Bruins, which, you know, when it comes to games in January, February, that's a pretty important one. Um, But Leafs are kind of rolling a little bit. You know, some tough losses against Ottawa and Montreal that kind of seemed like they were just giving points away. They didn't really play very well in either of them. Um, But Kevin, like, what's just the overall impression of the Leafs right now? Obviously they just got TJ Brody back, but Matthews is out for three weeks and then obviously Matt Murray also with an injury. Uh just what's the general thought around the team right now?
1: Yeah, obviously you have two key injuries with Matthews and Murray. I mean, Matthews is like a knee sprain, so it's about three weeks. They have the all star break here. They're so comfortably in a playoff spot that I'm not sure it's gonna matter, but it's a huge it's a huge blow. I mean, they look good against Washington, but look at the game against Ottawa and I mean this is a team that's built on having two high end forward duos, uh, between the centers and right wings and Without Matthews there, it's obviously the he's the reigning heart Trophy winner, uh, a huge blow. Getting Brody back's nice. I think Brody's definitely a key part to this team. And then uh, we don't really know much on Murray, so we'll see how that goes. I'm not overly worried about that right now, but you know who knows. So um, obviously, staying healthy here is kind of the key, given how the lack of importance in the regular season. But I think the team overall is 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 playing pretty well. You kind of have six your six defensemen set. Um, I want to talk about Lilligren here, because I think he's been a big bright spot lately, but uh, between him, between Sandine, who's always been effective in a third-pairing role, um, you have Brody, you have Justin Hall, and, and Giordana, who have been fairly steady, and then uh, Morgan Riley, not the best year for Riley, but he's not going anywhere anytime soon, so I think you kind of have your sixth set. I think Timmons is a fine seven. Um, you know, ideally, you'd, you'd have someone better there, but if, if that's their seven, that's fine. I don't, I don't want to pay, like, a second for a seventh defenseman. Um, and then I think, really, it's just depth forwards, Nick. Like, the top end looks good. I think Callie Yarnkrog's playing well. Engval still driving his line fairly effectively. Uh, to me, this this team needs a couple of forwards, whether it's one, whether it's a couple. Uh, I guess we'll see how Anderson and McMahon do. Uh, I, I think they'll get a bit of an opportunity to earn a spot. But, yeah, like... Let's. I think this team could look pretty good after a, a good forward addition, especially if Ilya Samsonov and and is playing this well, and, and if Matt Murray bounces back. Like, goaltending is still a bit of a question, but I think the forwards and the lack of scoring we've seen in previous playoff runs. That's really what I'm looking for here. Is like, can a McMahon, can a Anderson step up? Uh, because I'm pretty happy with the defense.
0: Yeah, I am too. I mean, lilligren has been arguably one of their most important, you know, probably top three defensemen this year on the team. Um, even when you look at I, I think a lot's been said about his defensive play. I think just in transition, you and I both talk about it. I know you've been tweeting a lot about um just his on ice goals against and like he's never on the ice for a goal against. so he's just been very, very good. Um, when Lilligren's on the ice, the Leafs are very rarely defending like they're very rarely in their their own end. and when they are, Lilligren's usually you know doing his best to win the puck back and, and move the puck up the ice. So I think just offensively as well though. Um, you know, I always like to look at um, on-ice, you know, shots, on-ice expected goals for when it comes to offense from def- from defenders. Because, uh, you know, goals and assists, I think they're nice from a, a defenseman. But realistically, at the end of the day, defenders are puck transporters to get the pucks to the forwards. So when they're on the ice, you want to see shots for, you want to see goals for. And Lilligren's been pretty good. Like, just looking at scoring chances for per 60 he's third on the team only behind sandine and Giordano uh goals four per 60 he's fourth he's just behind Morgan Riley they're they're almost tied actually and then Sandine and Giordano are first and second and same things for shots four lilligren is third behind Riley and sandine and like it's such a small gap that if if lilligren's on the ice is has a really good game next game uh next game offensively I wouldn't be surprised if he's first so You know, good defense leads to to good offense. And with Lilligren, he's just been doing it on both ends of the ice. So I think he's probably been one of their most valuable. I think if TJ Brody's not there, I'd probably argue that Lilligren's been their second most valuable uh, defender this year. So it's just great to see because I think for so many years, you know, we saw Lilligren kind of bounce between being a Marley and then he became a dominant Marley. And kind of making that jump to the NHL, you know, kind of figuring out what is he going to be at the NHL. Um, It took a little bit more time, and I think more time than people expected. So I think that's fine. Defenders usually take a little bit longer to mature, and I'm really, really glad that the team took, you know, some more time. They're very patient with Lilligren because they're really enjoying this current contract right now because he's giving them a ton of value at 1.2 or 1.4, whatever he's at.
1: Yeah, I think... As for the young defenseman, I think you either have to be like ridiculous offensively like a Quinn Hughes, or you have to be like physically like just like way above your age, like an Aaron Eckblad. Um, so yeah, it was it was good they were patient. I don't know if he was offered in the muzzin deal or not, but I'm glad he didn't go there. Um, you know, a player who's I think as you said, this transition defense is, is just through the roof this year. Second lowest goals against per minute to John Marino among NHL defensemen. Um, it just feels like him and Brody, like they can play with anyone and have success. And Lilligren's gone 10 straight games without being on a, for a goal against at five on five. And when you look at it, uh, I think he started off with Sandine and then went to Riley and then went to Giordano and then went back to Sandine in that time. So it's just like whoever he's playing with seems to, it seems to be working with. Brody's kind of the same way. You can put him with anyone. Um, I do think that there's still questions about who's on the shutdown pair come playoff time um so I don't know if they'll try Riley Lilligren or if they're gonna go Giordano Lilligren I think Hall's been pretty good at it um I, I guess the question is you kind of want I trust Brody 100% it's just do you want him with Riley because I don't want Riley on the shutdown pair so it's maybe not a perfect situation where if they had Muzzin like a healthy effect of Muzzin you're loving the blue line but I do think that it's kind of interesting uh Oh, the one guy I wanted to talk about Nick, is Jake McCabe. Because...
0: Yeah, I was just going to actually mention that. I was I wasn't sure if we wanted to keep a trade. Dad- I mean, there's no you, you know, there's no uh, there's no order in this podcast. So, yeah, I mean, if we're going to stay on defense, I think for me right now Giordano Hall, like if playoffs started today, they didn't make a trade for the defense, Giordano Hall would be my shutdown pair. I'd keep Brody with Riley. I just don't like Riley with anyone else. I don't. I don't really like Riley with Lilligren. Although the numbers have been maybe okay. we
1: we just haven't seen it enough. It's like...
0: it's second best, but to me, it's just not like I love Sandy and Lilligren. Like I love how much value that's giving you, um, especially as like a third pair that you can kind of trust against top competition. And I think Giordano Hall's been fine in in you know high amounts of defensive zone starts and uh, against top competition. So right now, I would just keep Brody with Riley. You know it works. Um, But yeah, Jake McCabe is interesting because, you know, last year the Leafs, obviously they wanted to get out of Nick Ritchie. They got Ilya Labushkin back, and they right away put him with Riley. And that was pretty much the player that Riley played with in the playoffs. Now, and that allowed, that kind of freed up Brody to play with Muzzin on the shutdown pair. Um, I think when it comes to McCabe there's value for him to be on the team this year, but it's also that contract. I think just, especially if you get a 50% retained, I think having him for you know two years after this one is there's a ton of value there. I really like him. I've been trying to watch him in the last week and a half since that first rumor came out. Um, to me, it reminds me of just a little bit more of a physical TJ Brody, probably not as steady, but I just, I really like his game in general. I just don't know if I want, the Leafs to be giving up big assets for him because of how much I like this top 6. So, are you kind of more on the McCabe train than I am or I'm 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 kind of indifferent about it. If if they also make a forward deal, then I'm okay with it, but uh, I just don't know how the money will work cuz they'll have to move some some money out for it.
1: Uh well, I guess it depends, right? Like they have all they have, they have the LTIR space right now. I think the re- the real question is at what cap it because if it's at the full 4 million um I don't want to give up too much at that price just because I like their six defensemen they have now but if you get him for two and a half years at two million I just think there's so much value there um getting like a legitimate top four guy he's you he could play on a shutdown pair uh it's not ideal because he's a left shot defenseman I know he's played the right a little bit but he's primarily played the left um I'll have to see if I can find a game or two where he's on the right side so I can watch that but but just the cap's going to be going up so much and I, whether it's this soft season or next and you really need every cap sp- like every bit of cap space you can get when you have to go re-sign Nylander and and Matthews not this off season, but next uh I think it's a great fit uh it's just you don't really have that need right now obviously I'd rather have the f- if I'm going to use a first round pick I'd rather have it on the forward but if it's if it's seriously just a first round pick for two and a half years of him at half retained, I think that's a steal.
0: Um, we saw. So, sorry, did you see a first? A first for a first for the retained. Him at
1: half retained. Yeah.
0: No prospects. I, no
1: prospects. I think that'd be a steal. It's a late first. Like people hear first round pick and they're like, Yeah, yeah. thinking it's gonna be Connor Bedard. This is like more like Fraser Minton kind of kind of area. Um. I, I, that, I just wonder what they do. Like, is, is Sandin a healthy scratch in the playoffs then? Because I have no idea who they take out. People think assume it's going to be Justin Hall. I don't think so, but who knows. Uh, um, it's not maybe ideal, but I, I just think the value would be crazy. I'm guessing the price would be more than that. It kind of reminds me of Hagel last year, because I think that was three years. I think Hagel was at 1.5, if I remember correctly, and he re- expired as an RFA whereas McCabe expires as a unrestricted free agent. But the value on the contract, like, Tampa's a smart team. You know, I don't think, I, I think they, like, every dollar of cap space really matters, especially when it comes to the off season. And I do think that would be an interesting play. Uh, forward-wise, it's, you know, if, if Munson's out, which I think we're expecting him to be, is kind of the way I've been thinking, that's like 5.625 for this year and next. Right, So they'll have some money to spend uh, heading into to next offseason. Like, I don't know what they're going to do with Samsonov. He'll, he'll need a raise if he stays. Um, but they don't really have any other huge free agents like Kerfoot, Engvall, David Camp. I guess Bunting would be the big one. Justin Hall's one as well. But the only guy that I think is getting a huge raise would be Bunting. And I don't know if they'll bring him back. They might just replace him with someone like Nice. So um, it's going to be... I'm, I'm all in on trying to get guys on like team friendly contracts with term. That's what I would do. Um, but obviously those guys end up being quite expensive at times. Sometimes the rental route makes more sense in terms of impact. Um, but we'll see like,
0: yeah, I I mean, I'll ask you straight up, but let's get this out of the way. Cause I I think this is kind of a, actually, I don't want to give my opinion before uh, asking you the question and kind of putting some bias on it, but. How all in do you think the Leafs should be this year for this season?
1: I think the problem with that is how many other teams are all in. So I think the prices are just going to be nuts. Like, to me, Pittsburgh and Washington are in a spot where they are they should be all in, right? Like, these are the final years of Crosby Ovechkin. They're going to have rebuild anyways after this. Like, I think they're they, they must know that they're expecting a rebuild in a couple years, right? Whereas the Leafs aren't. Like, the Leafs are fully committed to building around Marner and Matthews for the next decade, I think. Um, you also look at the Bruins. I think the Bruins are a team where it's like Bergeron's in his final years. He's playing for very little and you kind of want to reward him. And I think the Bruins are good enough that it makes sense for them to go all in, right? Like, they got to think they're the favorite. Um, you know, the Leafs, I don't think, should be completely all in. I know who we all would like them to be, but uh, in terms of, like, percentage of like winning a cup if they wanted to maximize it i think they go the term route um like if they were going to say the percent they, they win a cup in the next five years i think you'd rather go the term route um if obviously if you're focused solely on this year you go the rental route um i wouldn't rule out the rental route i just don't know if it's going to be the top guys um you know we saw last year they didn't give up a first they kind of gave went the two second route um if they do have muzzins cap space and that'll help because there's so little cap space around the league. Like maybe you go out and get like a JVR for the bottom six. That would be kind of a cool fit. I just was tweeting about that earlier. Uh, I doubt it. You doubt it? No, yeah. I doubt it. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's not a bad idea. I think they need scoring, but um, I, <laughs> I think they're going to have plays for two
1: that... teams. He only
0: knows. Two <laughs> I, I just, I, I just think they want someone better defensively. But anyways, like I think so too. Yeah, but... I think it's a good, I think it's a good target. I think you and I kind of think the same way when it comes to this. Um, to me, your past six or seven playoff series do not dictate how all in you are. What dictates your how all in you are is where your team is right now, and the age of your core, what your contracts are looking like, and the competition. Like I was just thinking about it the other day, and I said, you know, the year that they. Actually, not the other day. It was actually earlier today when this Horvat deal happened, and I was just thinking about the Islanders kind of trading the assets for a rental. And I was thinking about, you know, one thing we see about Dubis is that he's not going to even if this is his last year as the Leafs GM, you're not going to see him hurt the future for this year. I mean, I guess the trade deadline hasn't happened yet, so we'll see what happens. But and then I thought about the Felino deal, and I kind of thought about. The situation the Leafs were in now you know people can go back to our podcast we want Taylor Hall uh, over Felino, but obviously they traded the first round pick and I look at the situation the Leafs were in that year they were in a north division where they were up 10 to 15 points at that time during the trade deadline they were going to play a north division team until the conference finals like if you pick a year out of the last five that the Leafs should have been trading for rentals I still think that would probably be it. When I look at this season, you look at the rentals, you look at the teams like you were talking about, you look at Boston, Tampa, Pittsburgh, Washington. You know, I tweeted about this a couple, like a week ago. Like those are teams that have to be all in, just like you said today. So to me, you know, I think Dubis and the rest of the management should be looking at this team and saying, I wouldn't say assuming that they're going to re-sign Matthews and Nylander and Marner and Tavares, but they gotta make sure that this team's good this year without harming the next four to five years. Um because like the window to me isn't even close to closing uh for this team, you know. Even if worst case scenario use Matthews, now you have, you know, eleven to twelve million dollars to spend and, and keep this team quite good. So obviously you don't want that to happen, but um to me like this this window is not closed. So you don't want to trade like a nise or you know, uh, uh, a Robertson just for three months of, you know, a, a player. So, I don't know. I guess we'll yeah, see. Yeah,
1: I don't know about Robertson now. Like, he's probably gone down a bit. But
0: yeah, nice, I, I especially
1: like for a rental, I think, is out of the question. Um, it, Obviously, if you're training Robertson, I think you still want a decent rental, not like a low-end one. But I, I think when I look at the team right now, I see – kind of three lines that work. So I see the Matthews line has been pretty effective, not as effective as last year, but I, I think you're fairly comfortable with that. And then the second line has actually been pretty good. Like Yarncroke, mm-hmm. Tavares, Marner, or Nylander seems to work um, pretty well. Obviously those can be upgraded. I think Bunting could be upgraded or Yarncroke could be upgraded, but they're at least pretty good, right? It's not like when Jimmy Veezy was there and Nick Ritchie was there. Like they have a half-decent top six. And then I think the Camp engvall line works uh, as like a shutdown line. Like they're very good at playing low event hockey, whether it's with a Bobby McMahon type or Joey Anderson or Alex Kerfoot. Uh, there's a bunch of wingers who can kind of fit in there. I think Yarncrow could fit in there too if he moved down. Um, but you kind of want that to be your worst scoring line. Like David Camp really doesn't produce offense. I know he did in the playoffs, but I wouldn't count on it again. And then I know Engvall hasn't scored in the playoffs before. So um, I think that's, you want to be your fourth, Best scoring line. I know in previous years, uh, maybe not as much last year, but before that, you had Spets on the fourth line just racking up points uh, on, a per, on a permanent basis. I think that's what you're looking for. Um, so, whether it's, I think there's a lot of candidates. Like, you kind of have the two way center and Holmberg there. Uh, whether it's a JVR, I, not that that's like my first choice, because I think you could obviously do better and get a more substantial upgrade. Obviously, that O'Reilly, I think you're at least interested in. But, uh, there's a lot of players. Like I think, even if there's like, uh, Kevin LeBlanc was was scratched the other night. If you got him for retention, like full retention, I think it's a year and a half. I think that'd be interesting. Um, again, not my first choice. If they're gonna buy out Connor Garland, I'm interested to see like he's my much... number one right now. Yeah, I'm not as high on him as I used to be, but I still think like he's got great, great defensive too metrics. Low on him.
0: I think I think he's got great defensive metrics, and I think we know. I don't think he's been that good offensively as kind of the player we saw, you know, a year or two ago. But, I mean, you put him next to, you know, a John Tavares, Mitch Marner. Like, I, I still think Garland's going to be good. And I like the fact that he's good defensively. So, let, let's go down. Like, so it kind of sounds like, I mean, other than McCabe, just really quickly, while we were, we were talking about the defenseman, like Gavrikov, he's a rental. Are you interested at all? No. Nah. Neither am I. Yeah, I think the ask is too high. Uh, it just doesn't make sense, given the six for this yeah, year. Yeah, but
1: the the last time we said we didn't want a rental from Columbus, they got him, so. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah, we We'll see. Okay. He's let's... not a bad player. It's just I don't want to pay that price for a rental when I like all six defensemen, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like they have a huge hole, like Marincin on the back end, where it's like, yeah, I want to upgrade here. I don't really see a clear. Like, I think it's Sandin coming out, and I I yeah, Gavrikov brings something to the lineup that Sandin doesn't, but Sandin's also better offensively. So, I don't know. Like that's that guy's pretty low on my list.
0: Yeah, I mean, the minutes that Sandin is on the ice, I know that he's had he's. With Sandin Lilligren, I think that when one player is playing good, we kind of like, underrate the other player, and that happened to Lilligren for years, where Sandin was just kind of shining, and we were kind of down on Lilligren, and now the opposite's kind of happening. When Sandin's on the ice, the Leafs generate a ton of offense at 5-on-5. And whether he's on the third pairing, second pairing, like that holds a lot of value. So I don't know. I still think I'm still very much a fan of Sandin. I don't think that he... I definitely think he should be in the playoff lineup. Um, But yeah, let's... So so Gavrikov, um, maybe we've talked about... Should should we just move on the boards or...
1: Well, I think it's just a general point. I'd like to get... I kind of like to mimic the Giordano trade a bit. Like, I think I think one thing that the Leafs kind of looked at last year with Giordano is he's from Toronto. He wants to win at his age, and he's made a ton of money, right? And these guys that have made a ton of money, I think, you look at them and you're like, okay, they're going to take a discount. Like, they'll be willing to take some sort of discount. Maybe not as much as Giordano, but, like, if someone, like, who hasn't made their money comes in or anyone young anyone under 30 they almost have to try to maximize their value yeah you take a little bit less for the to play on the leaves, but it's not the same as guys that have made a ton of money so I'm wondering if they go after a guy like Jonathan Tays like Van Riemsdyk I'm looking at him right now Van Riemsdyk makes 60 million I think Tays has made close to 100 um Adam Henrique's another guy he's from Toronto he's got this year and next if there's retention and then you probably are looking at it going, yeah, he'll probably stay for cheap, right? I, I do think that that's a kind of an interesting strategy because we know how much Giordano's provided in terms of value this year, getting him for under $1 million, right near league minimum. We saw it happen with Spezza. I think that's an interesting strategy where you get a guy here, they're comfortable, they have a family, they don't want to move, and you know they like the organization, and then when once they hit free agency, they go, you know what, what's another million? I'm going to stay here right I'm gonna take less I think that's a, a really interesting approach I mean um, the
0: best contract in the league right now is a 35 plus contract in Patrice Bergeron at 2.5 so yeah um, I mean it's 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 definitely something I mean I, I am not a Chicago like I've only been watching Chicago the past couple like the last two weeks and I haven't even I've been really been just watching McCabe's shifts like like what player is Taves at this at this point? Right. Yeah. I think that's fair. like my question. I, I'm actually genuinely don't know. Like like have you kinda do you have any more insight on that or no?
1: It's hard because that that team is so bad. Yeah. And he takes tough competition. And, you know, would there be a jolt if he went to a different team, right? I, I do think that he's the type that would probably like he might play for League Minimum next year. You know, he's at that point of his career where it's like like, what do I care about another million, right? I don't think a team's going out offering him $7 million a year. So, yeah, like, if he plays for $1 million instead of $3 million to give himself a chance to win, I wouldn't be surprised if he does that. Um, just with cool. the amount of money. He's kind of the same boat as Giordano, right? Like, yeah. a lot of these guys, it's like, where do you want to play? Like, go play there. Who cares about the money? What's It's going to be a rounding error at the end of the day for those guys, right? Um, whereas, you know... Most of the younger players you look at are, you know, they can't pass up an extra year at 7 million, you know, it's like,
0: yeah. Is he from Toronto?
1: So Tees? Taze? No, I think he's from uh, Manitoba, I believe.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. He's from Winnipeg.
1: Big Leafs yeah. fans
0: over there. Yeah. They, they love the Leafs over there.
1: <laughs> He'll probably go to Boston because he, he loves, he must love beating the Leafs. Those guys. Love it. <laughs> Nothing better. Nothing better. Um, so I don't know. I I could see. That's why I think Van Riemenjack is at least interesting as like a fourth line type to go score. But um, the other guy, the other guy I saw that the evolving hockey puts out their selkie like their award picks at like the halfway point or whatever. And they always have like the weirdest selkie ones. Um, not that I buy it that this player should be in this selkie, but Josh Levo is on there, and I was like, let's get the let's get the band back together. We'll get. Van Reemsdick on one side, we'll get Levo on the other. Every time Levo scores, he'll he'll get scratched the next game. That's the tradition.
0: Yeah. I saw his uh I saw his RPM like yesterday. He needs a bigger chart on the defensive side.
1: Yeah, and he's he's gonna be consistently good. Like he played in the AHL last year. I don't know. As a fourth line type for like very little I'd take I'd actually take Levo. Um I mean, they kind of need... We'll see what Anderson does. We'll see what... I actually think McMahon's pretty good. Like, I think that guy's an NHL player.
0: He's he's interesting to me, though, because, like, both you and I watched the Marlies. And, like, I think Holmberg really stuck out as a a Marley. Um, I think... I think Anderson's quite good. Uh, Like, Logan Shaw's obviously good, but... Like McMahon to me, like I, I didn't think he was a very big play driver at the NHL. I mean, at the AHL level, I thought he was a very good finisher. I liked his work ethic, but he wasn't really in my top three guys that I would say would excel as an NHLer. And he came up to the NHL and he completely surprised me. Like his work ethic's really good. I really like the way that he he can make plays. And I made a tweet, and it was it's it's not a knock on him at all but to me he's more noticeable at the nhl level than he was as a marley um so i don't know mcmahon's definitely interesting to me uh he's completely been a a pleasant surprise to me uh
1: yeah i guess i was on him on the marley's like i think he's uh, he's not the same puck carrier as like a druga but um his forechecking is really standing out he creates a lot of chances i know he hasn't been able to put one in but I do think that he creates a lot of offense in that bottom six, even though he's pointless. I do think the points are going to come. And just his ability to generate turnovers on the forecheck. Like, he's not Zach Hyman, but he does have some of those attributes in terms of just like wicked forechecking, ability to generate turnovers. I haven't loved big man defensively. I don't think Keith did either on the shutdown line. But to me, that's kind of an ideal guy to play on the fourth line. He's got some size. He's got great forechecking. He can actually score a little bit, I think. I think it's going to come. This uh, is
0: McMahon?
1: Yeah, this is McMahon. Yeah, whereas, for sure. Like, I mean, I, I just, I like just don't better see than their other Aston Reese scoring in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, that's my problem. Um, same thing with Hunt. I just didn't really love the way he played Like when he was with the Leafs. I think he was more noticeable than Aston Reese. Um, but to me, like if you have one line, that's Camp Engvall, I don't want the other line to have Hunt or Aston Reese. So the other day when they had when they had kerfoot Homburg. And I think it was McMahon or Anderson. Anderson, I really like that fourth line, and they scored within the first couple minutes. Um, they didn't play very much, but I mean, the minutes that they were in, they, they were quite good because they actually could cause some 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 mayhem in the offensive zone, and they're capable of scoring. And I think when you have a line that has Camp and Engvall on one, um, you know, Engvall's been scoring a little bit, but it's not a line you want to trust offensively. You want the other line to be able to score. So I think as the the playoffs get closer, I think that's something the Leafs will address. I mean, when you look at the bottom six last year, Kevin, the one line was mikheyev kampf Engval, which was one of the better defensive zone start lines in the league. Um, Mikheyev-Engvall were around like 57% expected goals while starting like... in the offensive zone. Like it was ridiculous. They were in the D zone. They were starting in the D zone all the time and they were still generating a ton of chances. And their fourth line for most of the Tampa series was Spezza, Kasha and Colin Blackwell. So when I look at the current bottom six, I just, I don't think that fourth line is as good. But, um, you know, we'll see what Anderson and, and McMahon do. But like, I don't see a line that has Aston Reese on it coming close to that fourth line love last year.
1: Yeah. I mean, not that the fourth line is excellent in the playoffs or anything, or even the third line, but I just think on paper, like Austin Reese is one of the the lower scoring forwards in the league. Uh, Hopefully one, at least one of McMahon or Anderson can earn a playoff spot lineup. uh, And maybe one can earn like a 13th forward spot. Uh, That would be ideal. uh, Because I think you do have to expect that you'll have at least one injury out of the 12 guys, right? So, uh, hopefully that that either one of them is a kind of a firm top 12 and the other is uh an injury replacement that's that's kind of my hope for those two uh, i don't really see steves being in the picture uh wouldn't be surprised if he got traded even um and alex steves is a winger by the way it's it's for some weird reason people think he's a center like i see that all the time oh, um, i don't think he's played center as a marley i don't think he's ever played center
0: yeah i don't i don't, I don't know where really that like
1: came I guess, like, when he signed, he was probably a center in college or something. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of a lot of ways to improve offensively in the bottom six. Like, especially if you don't have to get a center, I think a center would be ideal. And then you kind of move. If you get a center, you can, at, you can at least move camp to be, like, more of a fourth-line center. That's why I like Adam Henrique. And then also, if there's an injury to, like, Tavares or Matthews, you're not done. Because I think right now, it's like, ooh, with Matthews out, you're like, kerf the second line center <laughs> then you have camp and holmberg it's it's a little it gets it gets late very fast so i don't know if, if Henrik's cheap and you get some retention on that i wouldn't mind that at all um i think o'reilly's going to be expensive but he's good enough that i'm at least interested if it's just a first it's probably not going to be just a first though and then uh i, I don't know go from there i guess but it's not going to be a ton of high end centers available because there's never, there never is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to kind of go through a list here. I know you've been kind of, you're, you're always dialed in around the trade deadline. So I'm just going to give you rapid fire here. Uh, Let me see here. Give me one second. Okay. So, you know, we already talked about Connor Garland a little bit. Uh, We talked about O'Reilly that you just kind of touched upon him there. I think the injury just makes things a lot more interesting. I don't, I don't really want the Leafs to be trading for kind of an injured rental, so I'm not interested in him right now. Um, well, been some buzz about
1: on that. That's not good.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, I think I've just been burned with Felino already, and I think I just think that the price for O'Reilly is going to be higher. I think now that uh, now that Horvat's off the table, I think if O'Reilly is healthy, I think a lot of teams are going to want him. So, uh, Boston being one of them. So, I guess we'll see. Uh, What do you think of Travis Konechny?
1: I think he'll be too expensive.
0: You think he'll go during the deadline?
1: No, I think they'll keep him. Okay.
0: And then, next up, Ivan Barbashev. He's just a rental, right? So He's a rental, 2.25.
1: Yeah, I think that falls into the category. Like, if he's cheaper than expected, maybe. But I'd rather not give up, like, even a second... A second would kind of be, he'd be like playing E. Like, I don't, he's fine, but I, I just don't think that's enough impact.
0: Okay. And then I'm going to keep going here. Um, I was looking at Chicago. I mean, that Giordano deal did come into mind because obviously last year they got Giordano, but they also got um, Colin Blackwell in the same trade. So Chicago does have two rentals, both at three mil. One is Max Domi
1: uh probably not i mean unless he's really cheap i just i don't see that i i don't think great. he's good enough
0: defensively um i think he's a fine player i think he the intangibles it, it are probably there the matter, but... he might stay there too i yeah. don't know i mean if you can re- I, if, you, if they think they can revive his his montreal days then maybe there's something there but i just i don't really love him as a defensive it, it just kind of reminds me of Galchenyuk, but more expensive
1: yeah i I guess term is my first priority, and then these rentals are kind of the, the second. You know, if if you can't get a guy with term, you kind of settle.
0: Okay, so if you want a guy with term, in a trade with Jake McCabe, we have Colin Blackwell, one point two for two years. So this year and then next year.
1: Nah, not. A, I don't think so. He's not a great year. Um, I think he's a winger. Like, I think he'd be better on the wing than at center, like he was last year, but. At one point, at one point two, it's not terrible, but I just think the Leafs aren't taking that without retention because they probably would have offered him that in the offseason season, um, if they wanted that. Like I think he would have signed in Toronto over Chicago if he got an equal offer. So I, I think Chicago is better better used to use their retention elsewhere. They're gonna need it for Kane and Tays, so I, I just don't see that one happening.
0: I don't see it happening. I actually like Blackwell. I think that would have been I'd be fine. I don't think they really need to put him. As center with Homeburg there, um, but I like. He's them. a winger
1: though, that guy. Like Ooh Blackwell,
0: I, I think they put him on the mm-hmm. on the right wing, like a Blackwell Kerfoot, foot, at center type fourth line. I think that's pretty good. But again, I think that second year might make it a little bit more difficult um, for Chicago to even move him in the first place. So um, who's another person? Uh Sam Lafferty was someone who came up. I saw. I haven't really looked into him too much. I'm not sure if you have. Hmm. Eh
1: he's actually playing center recently which is weird because i thought he was a pure winger but yeah he's like a uh I, I guess the problem with him is like he's, he's kind of in the avica Cabelk territory where it's like you don't know how it's going to fit or work but he hits I, I i did notice him like he's he's pretty decent skater for a bigger guy um he can throw the body around um he kills penalties but i wouldn't give up a ton for him like he's not a high impact player and I wouldn't mind a little bit more physical play, which he offers, but they really need scoring. Like, in- until they're getting scoring, I, I don't really
0: want to talk about anything else because that's, that's got to be priority one. Am I missing anyone? I'm trying to look here. Um, it's probably we, other already talked
1: about, yeah. we already talked about JVR. I don't think they're in a spot to get a goal yet unless the Murray injury is more significant than we think. Or if Murray just is, like, terrible in his next, like, four. Five games, then maybe you, th- you consider it. I mentioned LeBlanc off the top. I think he'd be available. um If they do get a guy like McCabe, I wonder if Sandine is available for like a young forward. That would be kind of interesting.
0: I think. Uh, I think if anyone would have to go, I mean Riley's not going because of that clause. Um, you can't and just trade Brody going. or
1: Lilligren. No or or Giordano.
0: They're not trading any of those guys. It, it would be Sandine. I, I do wonder a little bit. I mean, I'm just kind of Could thinking be hollow, off the guess, top of but... my top of my head is whether something changed like during the whole negotiation. Like obviously it was was kind of a weird negotiation in the first place. I mean, Sandine held out he until training camp and then once there were some injuries, he kind of took the deal that I think the Leafs offered him in the first place. I, I don't um, think they're
1: shopping him. I just think like if they could get him a McCabe, and then there's like a really good forward they like, they could at least think about it. Like, like a Dylan Holloway type on Edmonton. Like,
0: Oh, it doesn't like have a to player be. that yeah.
1: I don't mean. Uh, what, yeah. Well, like
0: Like what if, what if it's Meyer? Like what if, what if it's Timo Meyer? That's actually one player we haven't talked about. That's been all over the, all over the, the rumors. Um,
1: yeah, I thought about that too, because it's Sandin is a, is a good enough Kind of anchor because he's probably more valuable than a first, especially at his contract. Hundred um, percent, especially a Leafs I th- first. I think that would be interesting if you really wanted Meyer. Meyer's, I think, probably better than Horvat. It's just no doubt re-signing Meyer is going to be really interesting. Like I, d- I, don't know if they could do it. And then it's like, okay, are you going to flip Meyer or are you going to trade someone else very big to to get him? I don't know. Like it'd be a, it would be a tough thing to do uh i don't think he's likely to happen because of you know the least cap situation but yeah he'd be a huge impact um i i would think it would be someone not as good as meyer but you know young like i think you'd almost want the forward addition of Sandine, right where it's a player just as good just as cheap and just a better fit where you're like okay we, we want another shutdown guy we want giordano be the third pairing left shot defenseman rather than the second and we really like this player getting in, but you do have to be careful because I I, I do like Sandine. I think Sandine's a good player. I don't want to give him up for nothing, and um, obviously, that'd be a pretty big trade, right? Like, you're taking a bit of risk there. I think you have to be huge very careful risk, who the player is.
0: Risk, yeah, for sure. Reminds me a bit of, like, the Druin Sergachev, right? Like, two young guys. For Sergachev, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're kind so. of trading. So, yeah, you definitely don't want to lose that one, and I think it's it's interesting because I think he's most likely to move. If if it was me, I would definitely. I, I think. Like, what what do you think is the most likely or or that's gonna happen at the trade deadline?
1: Um, I think the rentals would definitely like the rentals are always more likely to move than anyone with term. So I would have to go the rental route. Um, or like a guy like Henrique, who's kind of like a year and a half type of deal where you get some retention in there um that would make sense too so, so you, you that's, think that's that's kind of their deadline like they go for Henrique? i think they'll get multiple forwards if it's that small like if they're not getting a headliner mm-hmm. i think they kind of go like like a blackwell type maybe not blackwell but they'll also get like a someone like that where it's a you know they, they could kind of use two forwards um henry would be interesting just because i think the center fit like he can he can play winning he can play center but yeah, I don't
0: know I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, pry a prediction out of you. I think I think if I have to predict something, I'll try and be as specific as possible. I, I think they'll get McCabe um, and then I'll, I'm gonna say like a JVR. I don't know. I, I never even thought about him. Um, I'll say they will get McCabe. I'll say at fifty percent. I don't know what they'll trade, but I don't think it'll be that much. Um, the first might be involved. but And then I'll say they'll get like a middle six forward. I don't think they're going to go after any of the headliners. Meyer just doesn't make sense because of the the qualifying offer. I think they'll get outbid for most of the big rentals. Um, I can see kind of one of those like middle middle six players that we talked about. Um, And I think that'll be their deadline. But I think the big headliner might be McCabe just because of how much smoke there's been behind that. So... You know, in past deadlines it's you know, there was a, a decent amount of smoke around Felino. S- same with a little bit about Giordano and, and like those were all rumored and those are the ones that kinda ended up happening. So um that'll be my prediction. I don't know if you want to give one.
1: Not yet. I'll wait I'll hold that uh, that's for no next fun. podcast. That's no but fun. But I do think I agree with you that there's the smoke around McCabe's interesting, especially kinda how the previous deadlines have gone. Um, so yeah, I, I, I I'll I'll steal your prediction for now, but I I probably will revise it ten times before the deadline. Hopefully for our next podcast, I'll have a little bit more more of a, a, a number one target or someone I am gonna predict. But for now, uh, I'll wait. But Nick, they got a they got one game left against Boston. Obviously, without Matthew, is gonna be a very tough matchup. They got the All Star break, but hopefully uh, hopefully we have some more trades to come on here and talk about soon. We got Horvat. Uh, hopefully the next one's at least related and it's, it's someone with term.